The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Welcome to the show, everyone. Trevor, I hope you are staying warm in your basement there. It is nope. a uh, <laughs> Arctic tundra time of the year for Alberta. It is extremely cold. Um, I don't know about you. We don't have snow coming down, but uh, that's still going to keep me inside. Just the, the temperature of minus 37 feels like minus 45 right now. That's enough to... Uh, become a hermit and just live indoors for a little while yeah and for our uh u.s listeners minus 45 celsius is roughly minus 53 uh fahrenheit i actually had to do the conversion the other day i was conversing online with um a follower from uh in the u.s and we're kind of comparing notes on on cold and uh i think her her um reply was more or less yeah, yikes, that's cold. <laughs> it's insane. I'm uh, waiting for my furnace to uh, kick in. It just shut off for half an hour, and I'm waiting for it to kick back in because my feet are freezing as I'm recording, <laughs> and it is very, very cold. A little warmer where I am compared to you. I, I looked this morning, and we're uh, roughly only, as it goes, minus 40. Uh, I believe you guys were in the mid-minus 40s. <laughs> so, yeah. sucker. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, luckily, I'm I'm upstairs where the uh, the heat rises to. We're making sure the the little guy's room is kept warm enough. But I know last night the wife changed the temperature from being in his room to downstairs for a little bit because it was apparently getting too warm. Um, but then we went downstairs this morning, and holy hell, she was cold. Uh, not the wife, <laughs> the house. <laughs> Her too, the wife too. She was cold. I mean, like I'm sure you got it last night, Trevor too. We had a uh, emergency alert go out, I believe, province wide yeah. about not using too much uh, energy on the network uh, on the energy grid because could have rolling blackouts. Now is turn off unnecessary lights, turn off, don't charge any unnecessary devices, um, which really you know annoyed me because I was about to go sit down on my 3D printer and try and some stuff off which you know by being a responsible citizen i didn't but what i found funny this might be of a whole different topic and type of show but it said don't charge your electric vehicles well that's 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 great our grid when it gets too cold in alberta can't handle charging electric vehicles yet by 2035 our government wants to not to have any gas powered vehicles yeah so, it's a pipe dream anyways yeah it's not not gonna happen but it's like this is we're not even close to there yet, and this is already an example of how dumb can I an idea be? Um, but yeah, it's cold. Uh, it's supposed to warm up to minus nineteen, I think, in a few days here. Maybe, hopefully, I never trust it till the day of. But uh, at this point, that's like t-shirt and shorts weather. Um, I can tell you, well, March second when I'm on a plane to Mexico can't come soon enough. Right now. 
<laughs> well, we're getting a little bit more of a reprieve in the Calgary region. We're actually going to be above zero by the end of the week next week. We're uh, going to have a Chinook roll in. Yeah, I'm getting the middle finger from Ken on camera here. Uh, for those that may not know, I live in a balmier climate than Ken, even though I'm only a couple hours away. We get these things called Chinooks, where some warmer weather will you know, move in off the mountains and give us some drastic changes, uh, usually in winter to be positive, where we actually get above zero. Ken chose to live a little bit further north than Alberta. Kind of stupid, if you ask me. When winter sets in in the Edmonton region, region it sets in. They don't get schnooks. No. It, it's um. So we'll we'll get these times where we only live a couple of hours from each other, and there's a 15 degree difference, in, and in Celsius, so roughly you know, roughly 30 Fahrenheit difference in within two hours. And Ken, it might be minus 20, and I could be zero. So you know, you're welcome to move down this way. The weather's <laughs> a little bit nicer. The city's a little bit nicer. Yeah, it's uh, it's the whole you know, owning a owning a place and the job job factor that sometimes gets in the way of that that pipe. Excuses, dream, yeah. excuses. <laughs> hey, if you want to pay my wage, then that's fine. Uh, we could talk off off air what uh, numbers. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're a big time director now. You can write checks, can't you? Yeah, no. <laughs> but I, I want to I jump in, Ken. There's something else that's very important today, and it's actually Ken's birthday today at the Bleacher Con 2. I think he's 63 this year. I'm uh, off by no, a year no, no. two. About 20. Uh, 43. Oh, 43. about 20? Okay. Yeah. Would it, would you, to be really honest, I don't know if you feel this way, Ken. I don't even know how old I am. Like I get asked sometimes and I'm like, I don't know, I'm above 40. Like, do I still <laughs> count? Like, am I expected to know at all times how old I am? It's like, what year was I born? What year is it now? And it, I usually add plus or two, one or two, either way. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what year I was born in. I don't know what year it is. Like, yeah, I'm 43-ish. Like, I don't know. I, I, yeah. Once I got above 40, like I remember it was a couple years ago, my daughter actually asked me my age and I got it wrong. And I'm like, why would I know? Like, come on here. I can hardly remember to put on two socks and, <laughs> and let alone. I, let and alone you're giving me a hard time about being old. Yeah. <laughs> well, the guy who's, old. Yeah, the guy who's six months behind me. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it is. I, 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 I feel old. Uh, I'm not going to lie, having a nine month old son. Um, definitely makes, yeah, me the heater feel, in. <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel older at times than I actually am because, uh, he never stops moving. Um, I which is awesome. Yeah, I think you did, but, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, but yeah, like, you know, you think like, Oh, that was just like 10 years ago. No, that was, um, 20 years ago for certain things. And, you know, uh, social media at times can get bent. Because there's people who like to put out their songs that are turning 30. And it's cool. all the music that I still listen to and still think is not that old. And it's like, well, you person at whatever handle can go to hell. Because now I feel older. Like, yeah, the, the, you start to feel old when the music you listen to qualifies as classic rock. Or whatever. Or vintage and old school. And it's like, nah, this is, yeah. Oh no, there's there's it, it, times it, where I definitely feel feel old. 
It's funny you actually bring up music. I, on Friday night, and this actually quite happens quite often around my household on a Friday night, I was listening to music with my daughter. And, you know, my daughter's just about 15. And, you know, I like to listen to it really loud. I may or may not indulge in one or two adult beverages while I do so. Maybe, maybe. Ken put up about 10 fingers. He may be closer to accurate than I am. <laughs> We're at, this Friday, we're actually listening to music, and I decide, you know, I'm going to listen to some Outcast, and, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of some upbeat hip-hop, you know, almost new music, I, I would consider it in my life, and then I, I you know, my, my daughter's like, oh, I really like Outcast, but, you know, they're, they're just so old, and I, I'm like, what do you mean they're like old, and then I get thinking about it, and it's like, oh, my God, like, I was actually in university dancing at the clubs when these were new songs. And it just is just like, oh my goodness, like this isn't good. This isn't good. And my daughter's like, let's listen to vintage 2000s music. And I'm like, oh my God, that kills me. I would you should I would have grounded I, her. I would have grounded her right there. <laughs> like and at least she Go takes, your room. At least she yeah. takes an interest in it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm Ken's with me. We grew up in the grunge era, you know, lots of Alternative rock grunge music was kind of my jam when I was younger, let's say. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give my daughter some credit. She's, you know, she's kind of gravitated to some of it as well. You know, she really likes Oasis. She's starting to like Green Day, you know, Smashing Pumpkins. Those are, that's what I grew up with. You know, it's at least I'll give her some credit. She'll listen to it. But then after about three songs, she's like, let's listen to Taylor Swift. It's just, oh my goodness. Uh. <laughs> You want to see Taylor Swift? Go watch a Chiefs game. Exactly. <laughs> the, Chiefs game's on. the Chiefs game's on. Go watch. <laughs> well, that's it. the other the other night we were before bed or it was bed in the morning. I can't remember. I'm old. Um, we had our son on our bed and we were playing music and he was um, just kind of sitting there. So we threw on I threw on Beastie Boys "Sabotage," one of my favorite songs. That's a getter. And, and That's he just good. started like bouncing, dancing on the bed with it. Um, it was funny that the wife had him in his uh, jolly jumper stand on Friday while I was at work, and uh, he uh, he wouldn't dance. He wasn't bouncing or doing to whatever the like kid friendly Disney ish type music she had playing. As soon as she puts on like Backstreet Boys, everybody he starts like dancing and going. It's like <laughs> it just uh, it, we put on Guns and Roses, and he was dancing to that. And, and so yeah, he's. Uh, he will get a proper music education before he gets to this cookie cutter bullshit that they call pop music or whatever today. Mumble rap, but mumble garbage. I'm doing the same thing with my children, but I'll be honest and I'll be fair about it. I, I do also listen to, cause you got to get the whole music from the genre. So, so I will throw on Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears and sing Backstreet. But like she's got to under, in my opinion, they have to understand the whole music genre of, you know, my time, what's called the late yeah. 90, you know, kind of that 95 to 2002, I'm going to say was my peak music listening time. I'll listen to a little bit of everything. I don't just stick to, you know, live Bush, Smashing Pumpkins. Well, you got to throw on you know, the uh, Spice Girls, all yeah. that. You got to listen to it all. Give well, them kind you... of the full roundabout of it and get an understanding. So, yeah, because I mean, like if you if someone was to ask me, oh, what's what's your music style? I'm like, I, I don't have one, really. Like. My i my phone's got like well over two thousand songs on it, and uh, you could probably throw a dart and hit 
any type of genre you want. Like there's Michael Bublé on there. There's you're gonna get the like you say the the rock, the grunge, the the old school rap. You might get some new stuff. Dr. Dre, um, N.W.A. Yeah, all there's all there's country Eminem, on there. Of, yeah, tons of there's, Eminem in my household. Oh yeah, like I listen to anything and everything. If it's good, it's good. Um, I don't really kind of like I'm only listening to this. I'm only listening to that. Um, you got to listen to everything because there's there's good good artists in all different genres and it, it's Go ahead. Music, whoa, music. Whoa, whoa. I, I want to preface what you just said. Backstreet Boys and Ed Snake are not good artists. I'm just giving the <laughs> full spectrum of well, the musical. You're the taste. one. You're the one who introduced me to them. So I don't I don't know that I fully believe that statement. And for our listeners, when he said he danced at the clubs, no matter how many beers he had or adult beverages on top of the beers, uh, it still didn't make him any better. <laughs> hey, first first live concert I ever went to was NKOTP when they were actually big superstars. Yeah, <laughs> I, think I was at this. Seven or eight I'm, years old. That was the first concert I went to. So you went to that one in Calgary, and I went to it in Vancouver. So <laughs> we grew well, up with the original boy banders, not this. Uh, yeah, not copy this copy oh. paste stuff. Oh well, okay. Let's get to some sports talk. <laughs> is, that what, is that what we kids. do on this show? Yeah, enough about new kids on the block and ends. <laughs> what you don't want to go bye bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, well, I do want to go bye 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 to that. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get it going. With are you kidding me? Uh, we're trying something new. If you wanted to find out our stuff, are you kidding me? It, look up hashtag RUKM. That is what we are going to be using for this segment. Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm going to kick it off, Trevor, here because it, it is. We are still in the throes of well, potentially wild card weekend which is becoming a wild card long weekend uh, for one, for two teams. Uh, I, I want to talk about the weather conditions that have been going on, you know, uh, Buffalo and uh, Pittsburgh were supposed to have played today. Um, but because of weather conditions, the game get, got pushed to Monday, which is still up in the air. I don't um, see it happening. I don't see it happening. And there was talk that because of the storm, this game could have been moved to Cleveland, which sure move it to Cleveland. But um, guys, Cleveland doesn't play in a stadium. Why would you move it to Cleveland? You could still face weather, less weather, condi you know, conditions that you're getting in Buffalo, but weather could still be a factor. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if I want to give a kudos or, Kind of dumb. The NHL had a game in Buffalo uh, yesterday. The Canucks, my Canucks, faced off against the Sabers in a in an afternoon game, uh, a four o'clock start, I believe it was, because uh, it was two o'clock here, uh, four o'clock in Buffalo. Ninety two percent full. I looked at that. I follow a, a, an account on Twitter that gives the uh, attendance percentages for all the games, and I was expecting to see. And I don't know why, because I watched the games. I, the, most of the seats were full, so I wanted to get, see the actual number. Um, it was ninety-two percent full. Free puck puck drop in the morning before the game happened. I'm like, there, there is going to be no one at this game for safety reasons, not because it's the Sabers, but also because of the Sabers. But for safety reasons, like the storm, the temperature. You. you have one everything. good. You have one good year. 
good one, good half year, and now you're like nose up, looking down on the rest of the league. Like no, no, the Sabers, the Sabers have been bad for a while, so there's also that. But yes, my Canucks are uh, first in the NHL right now. Just to, we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, I, that's the end of our show. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I was surprised at that, and then they canceled, moved the game to. Monday, and I still don't think it's enough. You look at the game played in Kansas City where they were showing a guy took a bottle of water out of a fridge, out of a fridge, and the second he pulled it out of the fridge, didn't open it, it started to freeze, instantaneously started to freeze. Nothing but pictures of frozen cans of beer. Right, like that had to be the most sober game that anyone's attended because the alcohol was freezing. Um, they had beer pops, like you know, popsicles. It, whether it was because of the, I, I would have to think it would have to be a factor. Patrick Mahomes had his helmet shatter and break on a tackle. Because I think because it was so cold. Like, at what point do you say enough is enough? We either move the game to a stadium. Or, or, and I know everyone's like, oh, let the elements play a factor. But when the elements are extremely dangerous, at what point do you put, say, maybe a stadium is the way to go with a roof or retractable roof, right? Like the, the, the NFL is a billion dollar industry. You can't tell me that these teams could not afford a stadium with a roof right now. Because you look at it every year, baseball is the same thing. Teams open the season to snow and cold. If they're good enough, they could be playing a World Series in cold weather. But that's just because they have a stupid long uh, schedule. You could really avoid that with baseball. But for these other sports, figure it out. Like, at what point are you, like, how far are you willing to go to put your fans, players, and team personnel in danger for the almighty dollar? Well, let's see. You grew up in Vancouver and watched all your games under a dome, so I can tell that you can't handle this. I, for one, did not grow up in Vancouver. I grew up in Calgary, and I've watched lots of games <laughs> and been in the stands for lots of games that are cold. Are they less enjoyable? Yeah. Cold. The cold doesn't bother me. The snow does. The you know what's happening in Buffalo right now. Not even being able to get to the games. I get that. That is, you know, that's a danger for people to actually try to get to the games. The cold, not so much. You just bundle up. Would you, know, would you sit I, in a game right now, though? Like with the temperatures the way they are, would you go to a game where right now? No, be... but this is this is an exception. Like what's happening in Calgary, Edmonton, Alberta right now? Like that's you know minus fifty wind chills. That's an exception. I've sat through lots of games where it was minus thirty wind chill. Is it as enjoyable? No, you bundle up for it. You and I went to the Heritage Classic. It was, you know, it was roughly minus 30. You just bundled up. The cold doesn't bother me as much. The snow absolutely does because it's dangerous to get there. I looked at what was going on in Kansas City and I thought to myself, I want to go there so I can warm up because it was warmer there than it is here. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I've sat through games in, let's call it minus 30. I've done it before. You deal with it. I don't have an issue about them playing in the cold. But then again, that's me personally. I've sat through games in the cold. I get it. But 
the actual dangerous travel conditions I do have an issue with. And I actually applaud the fact that they did move that Buffalo Bills game. Well, who knows when it's going to get played. They may have to somehow get out of there and play it at a neutral site. I can applaud the fact that the fan safety and player safety does come first. Fan safety when it's cold, though, well, that's their own fault if they don't dress warm enough. That That's their own fault. Like the There's dude concourses. that had his shirt off? Yeah, exactly. There's concourses you can go to to warm up if you need to. Like, there's places you can go to quickly warm up, but you know you can't escape dangerous travel. So, I, I can I can get behind that. Let's throw, okay. So, let's talk a little bit too about the quality of play and the fact that the two wild card games that were played on are going or the games that are going to be played on Saturday and Sunday. Those teams get a full week before they play again. Buffalo and Pittsburgh are going to have less than a week by who knows how many days because if you can't play it tomorrow on Monday in Buffalo, well, you got to get those teams out of there to play potentially on Tuesday or Wednesday. Like, what are you doing to the playoff caliber when you do it? Like, they could have made a call on Friday and had that game played on Saturday in, in uh, Cleveland or wherever else, Right. Sucks for the home fans in Buffalo, but at the same time, maybe they travel to the game. I don't know, but at the, it's it's one of those things that it's like there's this player safety because the players can't step onto a concourse to warm. Yeah, they got the heaters and everything other, but when they're on that field, right? Like, uh, Darius Tony wasn't in the game, so his frozen hands would have been ten times worse. Um, it just to me player safety and you're also affecting the quality of the game i think you potentially because you know if the field gets too cold and you don't like the the cleats whatever there's a lot of factors that go into it that just i think how do you fix it and i know people are like oh the elements and i'm not saying like yeah there's been some good games where like you know the yeah, heritage classic was a good game to be at and it was in the cold but at the same time like you got to look at the overall factor of safety for all and secondary quality of the product you're going to be putting out. Yeah. And I, I can't argue that, but let's, you know, here's another way that I'm looking at it 10 years from now, everybody's going to go remember that, that game. Like how, how many games do we look back on and remember of, of uh, I think it was Leon let sliding in the snow and a play they didn't have to, that the ball ricochets off of, but they end up losing the playoff game as a result. The elements make for fun memories of games. And, you know, it, or what was it? I think it was the Patriots that actually brought out the sweeping machine that it like completely illegal to kick the, the a game winning field goal. Like memories are born out of these weird element games. And, you know, it, it does it suck for the three hours you're there? Yeah. Looking back on it, does it make for some great stories? Yeah. Like, what do you and I always talk about, about the Heritage Classic in Calgary and what was it, 2011, and how gold it was. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it just, it makes for, it's an uncomfortable few hours, but it makes for some good memories. And you usually get some pretty interesting, uh, they almost go down in football lore or, or baseball lore of, you remember that game or the Mud Bowl in the CFL where the Grey Cup was played on like a, a completely muddy field or the, you know, the Stampeders when they won the Grey Cup, I think it was 2018, the Ice Bowl at Edmonton because the, the field was a sheet of ice. People just, you remember it for different reasons. So, yeah, 
like a lot of these fans will be like, hey, Johnny, how many toes do you lose at that playoff game? Three. Didn't you lose four? No, I got that one back reattached. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, I, I guess I say elements are part of the game, but at a certain point you got to look at and what, for me, is like, what's too much? Like, I think there needs to be a certain point where you're going, okay, this is, we need to do something. Especially regular yeah. season, call it a tie, move on, whatever. Play it at some point later on, and I mean, nothing, two teams will have a bye. Okay, you're playing now. We're going to make this game up, but it's uh, at a certain point in time, you got to look at stuff, and you got to make a, a call that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Ken, I want to I want to go back to like this stuff. Actually, I want to go to the NHL, and we're coming up on the NHL All Star Game in a couple weeks in Toronto. Who cares? I don't. Uh, I don't really like the NHL All Star Game. I, I want to touch on the player selection process, and I originally told you that I was going to stick to just the fan vote. You know what? I want to go the entire process of selecting players for this game. The NHL All-Star Game is supposed to be kind of a spectacle of the best players in the league. It's supposed to be a corporate event where you, you know, you get, you wine and dine and you schmooze the big wigs of the league, of the corporate partners, and, you know, you bring the best talent for them to watch and showcase, you know, the skills competition. I, I might actually watch the skills competition because there's a million dollars on the line for the winner. There might actually be a little bit of competition here. Here's the issue that I have. This is supposed to be a showcase for the league of the best players, and it's not the best players there. There's a rule in the NHL, and I think it's like this in a lot of leagues, where there has to be a representative from every team. Who cares about a representative from every team? The game's being played in Toronto this year. You've got Toronto bigwigs going to be there. Do Toronto bigwigs really want to see Frank Vitrano of the Anaheim Ducks? Do Toronto bigwigs really want to see Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames? Clayton Keller of the Arizona Coyotes? Not really. Uh, was it Boone Jenner? Yeah, Boone Jenner. From Colum- Boone Jenner, Boone of, Jenner. Columbus Blue Jack- uh, uh, of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Who cares? Tom Wilson? Like that's, He's not an all-star. Oliver so, Bjorkstrand. Oliver Bjorkstrand. Of Rob Seattle, Thomas. Like, Rob Thomas. There, there's so many players there that because of the rule, every team has to have a representative that just shouldn't be there. And you, I don't wanna, you're diminishing the all-star portion of it. I get you're trying to appeal to fans, but let's look at it from a Calgary Flames perspective. They want the younger fans. Well, are the younger fans really going to tune in to watch Elias Lindholm? No. The younger fans in Calgary are going to tune in, and I can't believe I'm saying this, to watch Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews. They don't care that Elias Lindholm's there. Is the younger fan in Calgary care that Robert Thomas is there? No. Like, I, I just, I have an issue with the league having to pick one representative from each team. It really, really dilutes the talent pool for an all I can't believe I'm saying that for an all-star game. Especially for when you have teams that are just playing so absolutely poorly that you're like, how can you like, obviously Connor McBedard was going to get picked from Chicago, but I mean, that's a team that's in last place, right? The San Jose Sharks, like who are the, who the hell are they sending? They're sending Thomas Hurdle. Like, 
it, for the teams that are at the bottom of the league, like how can you say that you have all-star worthy players and be so like, it just doesn't make sense. You're taking away a spot from a player on a team that could potentially deserve to go and doesn't get to, unless they get voted in by the fans. Yeah. And now I want to move on to the fan vote and I further have an issue with how the fan vote works. Cause it's really just a popularity contest of the biggest markets that can drive the most social media, you know, drum for their team. And, and I'm not knocking the fact that there's a bunch of Canucks there, a bunch of the Canucks do deserve to be there. It took a fan vote to get some of the Canucks there. Elias Pedersen that shouldn't have. Elias Pedersen should have been there from the start. Uh, Brock Besser probably should have been there from the start. It took a fan vote, but Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko probably should have been there from the start. It also took a fan vote, though, to get guys like Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley isn't an all star. Like, he got voted in because he's in Toronto and the game's in Toronto. I just have an issue with it becomes a popularity vote. And let's get the right players there from the start. If you truly want to showcase the league for the top talent, then let's get the top talent there. Alexander Gorgiev, I'm sorry, shouldn't be there. Like he's not one of the best goalies in the NHL. Jacob Markstrom should be there ahead of, you know, Gorgiev in Colorado. Like Jacob Markstrom leads the league in high danger save percentage. Gorgiev has the most wins. wins because of the team he's on. Yeah, right? exactly. His save percentage like is garbage. Exactly. Like, let's get the best players there. If we're going to have a showcase of the talent, let's get the best players there. Should Morgan Riley be there? Probably not. Should Gorgiev be there? Probably not. Jeremy Swayman, maybe, but he splits the net. Like, he's yeah. a 50-50 starter. Like, he's a great goalie. I'm not saying that. Just he's not... He, he shares the net with Allmark and only plays. He's probably only started, what, 20-ish games this year. And you, you got him ahead of people that probably should. I just don't like the process. It's, you know, the league picks the, the initial players and then the fans pick the rest. If you want this to truly mean something to the players, I think the players should pick the all-star team. Because then you're getting the recognition of your peers that you're better than them or that they think you're the best in the league. That's how I personally think it should go. I think the players should pick the all-stars. Blake Coleman with the Calgary Flames should probably be the Calgary Flames representative, but his star power isn't big enough. Like Blake Coleman in the last 20 games is the sixth leading scorer in the NHL. Uh, Shocking. It is, but he doesn't have the name power. So the NHL then picks Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. Well, Elias Lindholm shouldn't be there. If it's up to the players, Blake Coleman might actually have been there because the players, especially if you have to choose one representative from each team, the players would have said, no, he's our all-star. So you got the league making bad decisions because they want the names there. Well, Elias Lindholm isn't a name anyways. He shouldn't even be there. There should be another bigger name because you should just be scrapping the one representative from one team altogether. Let's get the best players there. And then, hell, maybe I'd be interested in watching, but I'm not. Yeah, like, you're telling me that Kale McCarr had to get voted in over Rasmus Dahlin. Like, to be fair, I'm trying to find a defenseman to go one for one with. There's not many defensemen on in this uh, 
this list of players here to choose from. Um, but like, you're telling me Kale McCarr had to get voted in? You know, why did Leon Dreisaitl have to get, he had to get voted in over Robert Thomas, Oliver Bjorkstrand, um, Travis Connect. I mean, not to be fair, Philly's having a good year, but Brady Kachuk. Like, you tell me Ottawa's got all-stars on that team right now? Um, I, I, I More on them agree. later. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Like, even Frank Vitrano, like, really? Really? Like, these, this is why, like, the all-star game, it's a mean-nothing game. Uh-huh. And they all are. Any sport. Baseball, I used to like being, and I would pay a little more attention to because the winning side that is how you determine who hosted the World Series. If the AL won, they were hosting. If the NL won, they hosted. If you want people to pay attention to this game, make it mean something. Do it. Go back to five on five and make it give it a little bit of meaning. The winning conference host is the the home team for the the Stanley Cup. Players would want to go. Players would want to show up. You know, it would mean something. But at this point, you know, I, I am not a fan of the three-on-three format. Uh, we're going to have the draft again this year, so the five Canucks could end up on four different teams. Um, so you're going to see Canucks playing against Canucks. You're going to see Avalanche and Oilers and Maple Leafs playing against each other. Um, somehow I doubt that the Maple Leaf contingent of four players will be on a different team. Not saying that it's already rigged, but... Uh, Go back to five on five. So you can actually like this because the format of the division versus division, you know, Pacific versus Central, and then the Metro versus the whatever the hell I can't say right now. Um, if your team was in the first game and lost, then what's the point of watching? Your players are already out. So at least this way, you're potentially going to see your player more players more throughout the entire day. I I just I'm not a fan of the all-star three-on-three format. Go to five-on-five, but make it pond hockey. Take out the offsides. Take out the, you know, whatever. Make it more free-flowing, high-scoring, you know, wide-open five-on-five play. But I agree. Like, not every team has an all-star. Not every player that's there should be representative. And there are players that miss out that should have gone. I also thought, like, I know they name first all-star team and second all-star team at the end of the season. But why wouldn't you not like it's almost like do it at the end of the season so you could take an overall look? Because if you get a guy that's on a heater in the first half and completely dies out after getting traded to the Islanders, I mean it can happen with Bo Horvat. Um it, it's one of those things like you're getting guys that are on a had a good first half that may not continue on. Um, and I like Bo Horvat. That was just a, an example that came to mind. But it, it's just it's one of those things like, yes, that honor at the end of the season you can get. It's I, I might pay a little more attention this year just because of how many Canucks are there and the fact that uh, I could probably see them all throughout the entire All-Star game, tournament, whatever you want to call it, is uh, a little more intriguing this year than than years past. Here, here's a, and I just, just, just kind of thinking about this as you were talking about the format. I think they should have the game start at five on five. First 30 minutes of the game is five on five. Everybody gets a chance to play. Then I think you should do 10 minutes of four on four. 
And then I think you should do a period of three on three. And then that way you're kind of actually showcasing all the different types of hockey that you do get through the course of an NHL game. If the if the goal, you know, you got to sprinkle, you know, figure out a way to sprinkle in some power plays, some penalty kills. And then once you finish, you know, your five on five, your four on four, your three on three, then pick five or six players each and go to a shootout. And then do a shootout to finish the game. And then the cumulative score of everything wins the game. You want to actually showcase the NHL, then let's showcase all the different types of play there is. Five on five, four on four, five on four, four on three, three on three, and a shootout. That encompasses everything. And let's get the best players there to do that. And make it mean something. So it's actually semi-competitive. Like it, I'm not expecting people to you know, run anyone through the boards. You know, would I love to see Elias Lindholm run and Carver gave it through the boards? Absolutely, I would, but I you know, probably shouldn't do that. But let's try to get a little bit of competitiveness into this game because it's it's a dud. It really is. Like, of all the All-Star games, the NHL is probably the worst. Like, I think you only have... About the Pro Bowl is pretty bad, that. too. Oh, yeah. Like they actually got to the point of, like, okay, are we going to continue to do this? We Should we just cancel it? And they probably should have just canceled it my opinion but i mean yeah. I, I think you only have like what four defensemen on this list like it's going to be a pretty wide open you're gonna have a lot of forwards playing defense in this game so yeah but you're okay but again we're trying to showcase the game for what it is you yeah. then have to have enough defensemen on each team to cover off and you probably only need maybe four defensemen maybe five because you need to cover off the five on five play of it and the four on four but then you're at least showcasing what the league actually is. Yeah, it's just like because there's a lot of guys on out there that right now you're grabbing the high scoring. I mean, a couple of the defensemen on here are are able to score and play defense, but otherwise, like you're looking for for defensemen that have just score points. Doesn't mean they play good defense. Eric Carlson's a perfect example of that. He scores, but he doesn't know what defense actually means. So I think like those players that are true defensive defensemen that play a great game, they don't get invited to this weekend because they're not flashy, but they are what you should be showcasing. Okay. Ken, let's move on to one more story that you wanted to talk about. And this is kind of a fringe. Are you kidding me? It's, but it's a little bit more of a, a meaty topic. And that was revolves around a trade that happened in the NHL this year. Ken, why don't you, you know, jump in with uh, where you wanted to go on this. Yeah, so this is one that, I mean, you actually sent it to me, and I, I kind of went, what did I miss here? Because I saw the trade pop up on the TSN notification that the Flyers had traded Cutter Goche to the Ducks for Jamie Drysdale. Uh, two young players going the other way for each other. I think the Flyers, didn't they also get a second-round pick as well in that deal? Yeah. Um, Goche is a NCAA player right now. He is not in the AHL. He is not in the NHL. The Flyers are getting an NHL defenseman in Drysdale to walk onto their roster and play. And the Flyers are playing good hockey right now. Like in all honesty, bit of a surprise, but Torts has them playing. Um, he he has them winning. I know they've the Canucks have played them twice, and they've played the Canucks very difficult. They've been very hard to play against this season. Uh, they beat the Canucks in Vancouver, and we beat them in Philly. But the Flyers are a good team right now, and they're playing well. And I'll give them full credit for that because I, I didn't in the preseason, 
in the in the predictions. I thought they'd be bottom of the league just with everything that had been going on with that club. Um, but they're doing well, and but not well enough in the eyes of Cutter Goche to want to play for them. They sort of scratch that. There's more to that to play for them, to reply to them, to even speak to them outside of I don't want to be a flyer. Cutter Gauthier got drafted by the Flyers. I uh, it was a who was the GM at the time? Was that Hextall that drafted him? I think so. Yeah, so Hextall was the GM that traded him or drafted drafted him. He's gone. Briere's now the the GM. He doesn't want to play for him. The Flyers brass went to the World Juniors where he was playing, and he refused to talk to them. He did not give them the time of day at all. Uh, he wouldn't return phone calls. And, and I don't I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Uh, he was very, he wouldn't say why outside if he did a couple of interviews afterwards where he said it was, it was personal issues. He saw things he didn't like. Well, um, Cutter, you are at an age where you were an adult and you should probably use your big boy words to have a conversation with the organization that drafted you. Uh, Cause let me tell you something. This goes to anyone in this position, regardless of the sport. If you were that good that a team is looking to draft you. Now I get it. If it's the Blackhawks, they have issues and don't want to be part of that culture. If you are given the opportunity to be drafted by a professional team in any sport to play a game for a living that you are where you are a point zero 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 one whatever percent of the population i think you know i mean if it was me i'd be honored that a team was willing to take a chance on me and say we think you're good enough to be a professional athlete i don't like this i don't like this at all when a, a player who has done nothing to to deserve the leverage that he tried to pull just kind of, and especially in the way it was done, right? Like we can go back to the Eric Lindros situation where he refused to play for, for the Nordiques, right? And this isn't new. Um, I, I, I want to stop you right there. And there's a big, yeah. there's a difference between Eric Lindros and Connor Goche at all. Eric Lindros told the Quebec Nordiques, don't draft me. I will not play for you. Yeah, didn't do that to the Philadelphia Flyers. So to me, completely different. The, the Nordiques screwed up. Well, they actually didn't because they won a cup a few years later. But the Nordiques took him knowing full well he wouldn't play. And Lindros went and said, nah, I told you I would not play here. I'm not coming. This is your fault. Cargoche didn't do that. No, Cargoche but... said, yeah, don't worry about it. I will be a Philadelphia Flyer. And then reverse course so i actually don't see a similarity mm. at all in the two because one was the stupidity of an organization being told we'll never i won't play and they still drafted them this was a situation where they believed he would play for them so what well, I, I, I put it under no the same there, my i put it under the same umbrella where it's you're 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 being given an opportunity that how many people can say that they're doing what they what they love like their job is their dream job not a lot of people right if my employers are listening me yeah 
<laughs> but like what I mean, let me say, like you grow up wanting to be right. Like I grew up playing sports. My dream job would be something, anything within the sporting world, right? Like, you know, to say I work for, you know, I do X for the Vancouver Canucks, I do Y for the Lions, BC Lions. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there is that you grow up as a kid thinking this is what you know, you have that ideal kind of job, right? Like we all probably enjoy what we do. We like what we do. But if someone was to knock on your door or phone you up and say, Hey, we've got this position with the, for you, Calgary flames, for me, the Vancouver Canucks, but we want to pay you to, you know, like there are certain things you're going to absolutely like jump at because it's your dream job. I don't like the fact that you've, you're given this opportunity to live your dream. And before you even have done anything, you're shunning it and you're looking down on it and you're like, you're not good. Like, who are you to say you're not good enough for me? So Steve Francis did it with the Vancouver Grizzlies, right? Um, we've seen it in the past where, right? Like, but what I also don't like is that if the Flyers didn't make this trade, ideally, if I, if I was Danny Briere, I'd be like, okay, you don't want to play for us. You don't want to talk to us. Cool. Enjoy playing in Europe until you can become a free agent and you can sign elsewhere, which is not until you're 27. So enjoy your prime years playing somewhere else. But after a certain amount of time, his rights revert back to being either because he's an NCAA player or a free agent. He can't go back into the draft. Some players have gone back into the draft. Like did Adam Fox just refuse and then be, to play for the Flames and then became a free agent? Or did he go back to the no, draft he... and get picked up by Carolina? No, he well, he was part of the Elias Lindholm Noah Hannafin trade. So okay. he he refused to play for the Flames, which is you know that's the NCAA players' rights. I don't agree with it. That's a whole other show. I don't know why one set of prospects has different rights than another set of prospects. He refused to sign at the Flames, but again, he, he was fairly upfront saying he probably would. He also refused to sign with the Carolina Hurricanes. So Adam Fox had his sights set, and I'm going to play for the New York Rangers and the New York Rangers only. And he eventually got his wish, which to me, I think is actually insane. I think that kids that have never played a minute in the league should not hold so much leverage over no. where they do get to play. That's nuts to me. Well, we and, saw that you know, in the Yamamoto know, signing in, with the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I, to me, it, it's how, how somebody who's never thrown a pitch in a league or – taking a face off in a league has so much say over where they play. It's just crazy. It really is. The issue that I have with Cutter Gauthier and you referenced this a little bit was the way he handled it. Like pick up the phone, tell yeah. them why you don't want to play there. I don't have an issue with the fact you don't want to play there. That's fine. That you're well within your rights to feel like you don't want to play there. Okay. Pick up the phone and explain it to them. Don't ghost them. Don't, you know, don't, you know, block them on Twitter. Like you, if you're going to make an adult decision like that, there's you owe an adult response to it. And you need to tell them, I don't want to come there because a, I don't want to come there because B and give the organization a chance in this case, Philip flyers to talk you through it or say, okay, well, can we remedy this situation? Yeah, rectify the ghosting problem. Them? Yeah. Can we rectify just ghosting them is nuts. Did he, have an issue with Tortorella's first meeting, which is one of the rumors. Sure. Well, you know, let the, let Tortorella explain, you know, reach out to him and explain it. Like he just hid behind this veil of secrecy and kind of got what he wanted, like an entitled 
you know, kid. And it's like, yeah. that, that's not right to me. I love the way the Flyers organization organization reacted to this. They pretty much in any way possible made him in a very professional manner, made him look like this entitled villain where, you know, you got Keith Jones come on and say, if you don't want to be a flyer, you won't be a flyer. You got Tortorella saying, I don't know this kid from a hole in the wall. Let's talk about something else. Or you got Briera coming out and pretty much saying, oh, you know, we tried to talk to him and try to figure it out. And he just wouldn't reply to us. Like, Cutter Goche looks like a moron out of all of this. And, you know, because he didn't do it in a professional manner. And, man, I, I would love to have tickets to that first game that he is, you know, when the Ducks go to Philadelphia. I may want to take a helmet so I don't get too many batteries thrown at me, but you know, <laughs> like that it doesn't be a raucous crowd. It doesn't take much for Philly to make you a villain, to become a villain there, right? Like, let's be honest. They were already Flyers fans went to his next uh college game and were delayed getting into the building because they had um shirts and signs that said uh I don't think it was anything vulgar, it was just like they were calling him out. And they were hashtag flyers or, you know, whatever, go chase sucks kind of thing. And and the, the security wouldn't let them in. And they finally let them in. It Like, he is an enemy for life of that flyers organization. I just, I don't like it. I think it, it's, you know, towards from what I've, like, we've seen him in the league for forever, right? Like, he's been around. He has his fans and he has his, his, uh, People who dislike him but i think with torts is he doesn't owe you anything until like if you want to play for him you want to work for him he's got you if you don't want to work for him if you don't he doesn't owe you anything right like he will have your back um all of that as long as you play for him as long as you put in effort yeah you will get that effort back and as weird of a way to say it you know to kind of reference it is look at that game vancouver versus calgary Right back at the when was Bob Hartley puts his five tough guys on the ice and Torts goes back and he had that opening line brawl, which I was at that game. Um, he was heated and he went down the tunnel to the Flames dressing room at intermission and had to be held back. And they actually installed a, a door at that place where he referenced and took his picture in front of the, the season when Philly came through. And you know, I think he will go to the wall for you if you do the same for him yeah right he all he's asking for is the same effort right he'll put the effort out if you put the effort out and absolutely like if he, if the cutter kid doesn't want to put the effort out then why should torts know who the hell he is here's another thing i can't grasp about this and i actually think the philadelphia flyers came up way ahead we're talking about a kid who's playing college hockey i think he has something like 25 points in 20 games he had a great world junior championship, but we're talking like this kid is a superstar in the NHL. This kid hasn't even played a, uh, he, he hasn't even played. Yeah. How do we know what this kid is? I'm laughing to the bank. If I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, I just turned an unknown commodity into a known commodity. I know I just acquired a top four young defenseman. Is there health issues? Yeah. You know, you want to believe that that's not going to happen through the entire career. You just turned a draft pick into a known commodity. I'm sorry, as a GM, I would do that 100% of the time. I'd rather know what I have than not know. Cutter Goche may be a 40-goal scorer in the NHL. May. 
We don't know. Yeah. He may be a bust. He may be the next bunk. He, like, he might be the Alexander, next Gail Yakubov. Alexander like, Dag. Alexander Dag. Like, we, we don't know what he is. I 100% of the time would make that trade. And I think the Flyers came out lap. They came out so far ahead in this deal, you know, on the ice, off the ice, that, you know, I think people are blowing this way out of proportion. We're talking about a college student who had a good world juniors who hasn't played a minute in the league and we're treating him like he's a superstar. He's not. Yeah. He might be. And that's what, he might And be. that's why I, I always kind of shake my head at these people who put so much stock in draft picks and, and prospects Me too. because you don't know what you're getting. So like, think again, the Canucks Matthew flipping Phillips. Yeah, the Canucks flipping that first round pick they got from the Islanders for Philip Ronick. I would do that a hundred percent of the time. I'd take the Canucks first round pick and flip them for a Philip Peronic. If that's, if I'm getting a, a top four defenseman with that pick or a top six forward with that pick, hell yes. Give it to me right now because I'll, I'll sign that trade papers and walk it to the league if I need to, because you know what you're getting. These part of the problem is these, Young prospects today are told from the moment they lace their skates that they're hockey gods. They can do anything that they want. They can play anywhere they want to. And the older they get and the closer to the time they get to that, they believe it so much more that you get these situations. And it's frankly pathetic. Well, Ken, let's let's move to the, the last portion of our show here. And for any of our, our listeners on Twitter X, you know, if you agree with us, disagree, reach out. Ken, the birthday boy, is at the Bleacher Con 2. I'm at the Bleacher Con 1, or you can reach us on our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection. Um, we're halfway through the season where you know most teams are right around that 41, 42 games played. Some are still at like 37, crazily. I don't know how. But we're right around that halfway mark of the league of the season. Let's talk about some of the kind of surprises in our opinions. And one of the surprises that I want to start with, and, and I I want to go near the top of the NHL standings. I'm not going to go to the top because I know that's where you're going to go because, you know, you, you haven't had anything to cheer about for the better part of 40 seasons as a Canuck fan. So let's let you have your limelight. I want to go near the top of the, the regular season standings, and I want to talk about the Boston Bruins. This is a team that I'm very surprised at where they are in the NHL standings. Which is crazy to say because you think, well, last year they what they set like modern day records for points in a season. And you know, go figure from year over year, they're still right there near the top of the NHL standings. I didn't see this coming. This is the team that lost their heart and soul in Patrice Bergeron. This is a team that lost their heart and soul in David Krejci. They lost a lot of their forward depth in Taylor Hall. I was expecting significant steps back by the Boston Bruins this year. We haven't seen it. They're first in their division. There's what third overall, fourth overall, third the overall standings. Tied for third. They haven't taken a step back in the slightest. And this just shocks me. Like, how do you lose your top two centers? How do you lose one of the best two-way players to ever lace them up in the NHL in Patrice Bergeron? How do you not take a step back? And I guess, you know what? I guess they have. They have, like, what, 10 regulation losses at this time last year? They had, what, five? So I guess they're twice as bad as last year. This is insane to me <laughs> that this team 
is still so good. Says a lot about the coaching and the the the, the team mentality of this of the organization. These guys obviously care about each other. These guys have obviously bought in. This team is still a juggernaut. David Pasternak is, in my opinion, probably the best goal scorer in the NHL. You know, lethal, lethal finisher. He's third in the NHL in points. I expected that to fall back a little bit without, you know, without Bergeron Hall. It hasn't. This guy is phenomenal. The goaltending this team gets is unbelievable. You know, Charlie McAvoy is just a stud defenseman. I didn't see it coming. Did I think they'd still be a playoff team? Yes. Did I think they'd be at the top of the standings? Absolutely not. And at some point, this team is going to take a step back, but who knows when? It's it's unbelievable. Well done, are, Boston. Are they, are they like the Tampa Bay Rays of uh, oh, NHL? With, but with star power. They have star power where the Rays just find guys to, to do it. I, I'm surprised. I'm right there with you. I was surprised. If you didn't touch on Boston, I was going to through dry heaving. Um, yeah, this is a team that got older lost star players and is still a plus 27 on their goal difference. They, you know, they, they are the recipient of nine loser points, which helps them be at 59 points, but right. I mean, they, they still have 20 of 25 wins in regulation, right? It's, they're getting it done. And you know, how, I, I don't know, like they're 12, three and three at home. They're 13, five and six on the road. This team is, they're just still winning, and it pisses me off. No, they're they're not as good as last year's team. Though. Let's, no, no, let's no, preface no. that. Like last year's team, I think they had like five regulate. I think they had five losses in total, almost at this point in the season. Like this team does have seventeen losses in the forty-two games, but they're still at the top of what I would deem to be the best division in hockey. Yeah, they're 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 number one in that division. I I don't know if they're going to hold it because I don't think they're they're not as dominant as they were, but I have to give props that they're still there. They had a goal differential last year of like plus, it was like into the triple digits. They're not going to get there this no. year, but this is still a phenomenal team. The Right now, I mean, like you look at the Atlantic division, um, Montreal's a game under 500, Buffalo's three games under 500, NHL 500. Um and Ottawa's Ottawa. They they're fifteen and twenty three with zero OT losses. Um, they they do have some weaker teams in that division that are going to help keep them there. But you still got you know Toronto is well nine points back of them. Toronto's only ten games above five hundred with eight overtime losses. But Florida is three points back with the same amount of games played. I mean, I don't know if you almost do you consider the, the Panthers to be a bit of a surprise to continue on that. They're, they're winning ways, but it, it, it's going to be tough for them to hold on. I think it'll be a tight. It's a right now for me, it's a two team race in that division, and it's Florida and Boston. Toronto's got a lot of question marks around their goaltending and other spots. They got a, an expensive, healthy scratch in Ryan Reeves right now. Um, but yeah, I think like somehow the Boston Bruins just keep doing it, and then it's <sighs> frustrating, annoying for me. Pain, as a it's fan. painful, but yes, they're they're a hell of a team. 
Yeah. Um, well, let's stay a little bit at the top here, Trevor. Um, and before we go completely out west, Winnipeg. Are you as surprised to see them one point out of first overall in the NHL with four, after 42 games played? I'm not, actually. I I think it was last year when we did our preview show with John, I actually predicted the Winnipeg Jets to be one of the dark horses. I was a year behind. I was a year out on that one. You know, the Winnipeg Jets made the playoffs last year. They, you know, they rebounded. I have always liked the Winnipeg Jets. They play a big, tough style of hockey. What the Winnipeg Jets did do this year is they got rid of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And apparently he's one of the issues. Like, Mark Shifley is, yeah, they got rid of Blake Wheeler as well. Mark Shifley seems rejuvenated. You know, Kyle Connor's been hurt, but Kyle Connor is a legit superstar. You've got Josh Morrissey on the back end, absolute stud. You've got Connor Hellebuck between your pipes, probably the best goalie in hockey. You got, you brought in, you know, Gabe Villardi, who's torching it. He's killing the production that Pierre Luc Dubois was given up. I follows in you there. Changed your Alex. I follow is playing really well. You changed the mood and the culture of your team. You got a new coach. This team was always you always expected more of the Winnipeg Jets because they had really, 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 really good players. They're finally putting it together this year, and they're going to be a tough out. The Winnipeg Jets are going to be a tough out. I'm I'm not overly surprised. Uh, now, to be second in the NHL, yes, I'm surprised by that. But I expected them to be a good team, and they finally are. They they fixed the culture problem in their dressing room, and they're getting on-ice results due to that. Yeah, I'm a little surprised at where they're sitting right now. I, I, I agree. Like They've always been a good team, but there was all the talk about Shifley and Hellebuck getting traded this offseason – right before they signed with both eight-year deals kind of with, with uh, Winnipeg. Kudos um, to Shevel Dayoff for getting that done. Like, yeah, these guys were goners in the offseason. Well, there were, I mean, there was so much talk they were gone before this season even had the puck drop on it, right? So, for me, yeah. where they sit, yeah, is a bit of a surprise, but not overly. I think they, they are putting it together, and I think that could also be do teams take them lightly when they probably shouldn't. Um they're they're a good roster through and through. Um it's uh it's definitely interesting to see. So Winnipeg at the top, that it's nice to see two Canadian teams at the top of the league for once. You know, occasionally you get one and it's the hated Toronto Maple Leafs. But uh yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting. It's, it's we'll see how it holds out because they got Colorado right on their tail, one point behind. Winnipeg does have a game in hand, though. Yeah. Okay, I'll go to the topic I don't want to talk about, and that's probably the biggest surprise in the NHL, and that is the emergence of the ragtag Vancouver Canucks, who couldn't get out of their own way for the better part of the last decade, are now all of a sudden appear to be a juggernaut. And they look legit. You know, I was given a bit of a hard time earlier in the year. They had a pretty soft schedule. They took advantage of it, and I kind of joked with you in one of our recordings. I said, show me when they start beating some good teams and playing some good teams. Well, they have, and they've beaten some good teams. You know, I'll, 
I'll be the first one to give them credit. The the Canucks are playing good hockey. They're beating good teams. They just swept a, an Eastern Conference road trip. You know, walked into New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Sabers, knocked them all off. Pittsburgh. They Pittsburgh. They look good. One of the things I always said about the Vancouver Canucks, and this is the reason that they're better this year, Thatcher Demko is healthy. I said it in our preview show. I said they could surprise. The reason they sucked last year, Thatcher Demko wasn't healthy. They and you know they, they had some coaching issues and culture remnants that they had to you know sift through. The Vancouver Canucks have a healthy Thatcher Demko. The Vancouver Canucks have a very well-coached team by Rick Tockett. Full full marks to Rick Tockett and his ability to get the most from the least. You've got guys like Teddy Bluger and like giving Dakota you, Joshua and uh, yeah, Dakota, uh, yeah, like giving you solid production in bottom six roles. Do I still think the Vancouver Canucks have a depth problem? Yes, I do. I don't think their bottom six is good enough to truly win a Stanley Cup, and their top six is electric. I'm interested to see if this top six, you know, that's called the lotto line, Pedersen, Besser, um, Miller, right. I'm interested to see, can can they do it in the playoffs when the going gets tough? I still want to see that. They're going to get there. You know, they're first in the NHL right now. They're scoring at an absolute crazy clip. Um, I, can Quinn Hughes do it in the playoffs? Like, Quinn Hughes is a small body when the game gets a little bit tougher. Can he keep doing it? I, I I definitely want to see that. Quinn Hughes is electric. Like he's, you know, he's probably surpassed Kale McCarr as the best defenseman in the NHL. You know, Tyler Myers, the chaos giraffe is last. I think I saw, I think he was plus 15 this year. Like that's unheard yeah. of. <laughs> like, yeah. This guy was a train wreck in his own zone. I got to give them some credit. They're playing a team game. Do I think they're going to still continue to score at the pace where they might have four players above a hundred points, five players above a hundred points? I don't think so. Like at some point there's going to be a dip, but I, again, I want to see what happens when that dip comes. People have been saying that for 43 games. That's the thing. And there's, they have 165 goals. Colorado at 160 is the closest. Their goal differential is plus 55, right? Like I get like they're, the 130, 140 point pace these guys were going at, it was not going to, that's the dip. They're going to go from 130, 140 to 102, right? Like whether you got four guys over a hundred, five guys over a hundred, or you've got two high nineties, three over a hundred, it's all gravy, baby. Like the whole regression talk has pissed me off for 43 games because they keep saying it and it, it, it hasn't happened. Right. Like the Canucks are five and six on this road trip right now with a game to play against Columbus to finish it off. And they're either going to go six and one or five and two. Now, who knows when the hell they can get out of Buffalo. If they land 20 minutes before a puck drop, they might go five and two. Right. <laughs> but it's one of those things like the regression hasn't been there. And yes, a healthy Thatcher Demko has been a huge piece of this because he's second in the league and wins. He's got 22 wins they have a backup goaltender who started 12 games in casey to smith they have collected points in nine of 12 games right he that's from a backup standpoint that's excellent when you can say out of the 12 games you've started only three we haven't collected points in. he's been in for i think all three of the overtime losses so 
you still you're looking at all like what Casey DeSmith has done. He's brought a legitimate backup to the Vancouver Canucks, which helps Thatcher Demko because Demko knows he can take a night off and it's not going to, you know, be detrimental, right? It takes takes some pressure off of his shoulders. You talked about the depth scoring and not quite having the depth. The Canucks are first in the NHL for having 10 players with, no, sorry, eight players with 10 or more goals. Now, I forget who scored. Um, Lafferty scored yesterday, and he was the he was the eighth guy. They were tied with Dallas, who had seven. So you're getting scoring from all throughout the league. That Bluger-Garland-Joshua uh, line is probably one of the best, if not best, third lines in the NHL right now for what they're doing. They forecheck like crazy. They create turnovers, and they are scoring goals. Like, Dakota Joshua, I think, is on pace for 22 goals. If you, you know, take what he had at game 41 and double it, that whether it happens or not, no, but we don't know. The Canucks are a much deeper team. We talked about them having five players at the All-Star game. Rick Tockett is going to the All-Star game. Honestly, if you were to hand out mid-season um, coach of the year and uh, GM of the year, I think, in my opinion, trying not to be completely biased, but I, you know, I am. Tockett and Patrick Alvine are your runaway winners with those two awards. What Alvine has done to go out and get Luger signed, uh, Ian Cole signed for depth, Carson Soucy, those guys have brought more stability to the defense than the Canucks have had in a very long time. But the moves he made, he got Lafferty for a fifth round pick. And there are Leaf fans still bitching and moaning about losing Lafferty and for a fifth round pick while they have Reeves in a press box, right? Like it, what he has been able to do and go out and get players that fit a role, fit a need, and what Talkit, uh, Gonchar, and Foot have done, and Mike Yao as coaches has been incredible this season. And like you talked about here, and I'm not saying by any means because I, I, if Horvat was still a Canuck, I'd, I'd still be a Horvat fan. I, I don't have any ill will towards Bo Horvat. I still have his jersey. My son wore his t-shirt the other day on a game day. Horvat's gone. And the difference from the way this team is playing, the whole negative JT Miller thing is gone. Like JT Miller is playing, and whether that's just a reflection of the coaching staff and Rick Tockett, there doesn't, there's no none of that background noise. And there's a lot of people trying to throw some of that in with the Pedersen contract talks. But Pedersen said, I just want to, I just want to play. I just want to play. I don't want to talk contract. I anytime someone's asked him about it, he's respectfully declined because he wants to focus on hockey. And what is focusing on hockey done for him? He's gone out there and he's put up points. Like he had in the previous 12 games or whatever it was, or 12 periods, it was some stupid short amount of time. He had 26 points. In a very short amount of time, like I think it was this road trip at one point, right? Like Pedersen is going out and producing. He's playing hockey. And a lot of times when you get that contract talk and playing put together, it doesn't work well for the player because there's too many distractions. It seems that all the distractions are away from the team right now. There really isn't anything there. And even a guy like Noah Juleson as a seventh defenseman step has stepped up when Carson Soucy has gotten hurt. And, you know, like even to the point where he was in the lineup one night and Ian Cole came out for 
load maintenance, if you want to call it for a lot better term, because Cole's a little bit older, give him the night off because Juleson can step in and play a good game. I think the Canucks have done as a staff and everything else, a fantastic job of getting things going this year and keeping it level. Like there hasn't been a game where I've gone and going, ah, crap, these guys are going to lose with the exception of New Jersey because they just own us. I think there's there's one more factor to this, and there's always that little bit of lady luck. The Canucks haven't had any injuries this year of any substance. They, for the most part, have, have fielded a, a very healthy top end of their lineup. You know, a lot of the teams near the top of the standings, it's quite often that happens. There's always that little bit of lady luck of not having a lot of injuries. And, you know, it, the, the Canucks have been blessed this year that they haven't faced any significant injuries. You know, I, I would um, be interested in, you know, say Thatcher Demko does get hurt because he quite often does. Do they keep it up? And I get, I'm not wishing for any of this. I I would like to see what the Canucks are. Say Elias Pedersen goes out for five, six games or, or JT Miller's out, you know, then we'd see some of this depth. Can they elevate themselves up the lineup? And if they can, then that just further cements, you know, are they potentially a deep team? As of now, the Canucks have not had injuries, and they're playing lights out hockey. I guess, the ol- you know, the only one they've had is Susie's missed about twenty five games. Yeah, but that's missed... not one. Of, that's not one of your top no. guys. No, but I'm saying that that's a. Well, when it comes to defense, you, where you only got six guys, and you're relying on a, either a seventh defenseman or a call up. For I mean, that's yeah. I mean, it's more than half the season he's been out, and uh, he missed the first few games because uh, of an injury in preseason. And then another one where he missed, I think it was 20 games or 23, something like that. But that's about it. That's, you know, Pedersen, I think, maybe missed one. Um, I mean, we've even got to the point where Kuzmenko hasn't played a lot of the talk-it-style hockey where he's been a healthy scratch five or six games. And guys have come into the lineup, stepped up. Uh, Niels Hoaglander has been a a beast this season, um, making it almost impossible to scratch him. Niels Mon. Juan is coming to the lineup when needed and and played his role. Like I, those have been the nice things to see where they really haven't had to go to the farm too often. And you're kind of like, uh, how what's this guy gonna do to the lineup? It's it, it's been a, a fun season for the Canucks to as a fan this season. And the big thing is they have 29 wins, 27 are in regulation. They only have three loser points. Like they're they're getting it done in regulation when it matters the most. Okay, well, I want to move to a team that's not having fun as much as I like shining the light on the Vancouver Canucks. Let's move away from that topic. But I, oh, wanna, I, love, I, wanna, I love that you yeah. had to bring it up. <laughs> I want it. Oh, whatever. It was yeah. going to happen. I want to talk about a team that's not having fun this year. And we kind of referenced this earlier in the show, the Ottawa Senators. Like, what is wrong with this team? They're at the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. They've got... I just, I don't even know where to start with these guys. They've got lots of young up and coming players. You know, Tim Stutzla looks like he's the real deal. Brady Kachuk, the young, they just don't, I don't know even where to go with this team. I don't. There's too much talent on this team, in my opinion, to be where they are. They've already fired the coach and they brought in a, inexplicably brought in with Jacques Martin rolling back the clock to 2004, hoping yeah. that he, you know, he'd be able to bring him back to relevancy. That hasn't worked one bit. You know, got 
Jake Sanderson, Josh Norris, Jacob Chikrin, Break Drake Bathurst. Like this team has a lot of young talent, and they're going. Shane nowhere. Pinto. Like this team. Shane Pinto. <laughs> yeah, I'd call that talent. I don't know. This team's going nowhere. They've even gone out and brought in, uh, you know, a Coach Rue and a Travis Hamonic player to try to, you know, give that veteran leadership, and it ain't working. This team just rolled through Calgary a couple days ago. And this team is so fragile. They had a 3-2 lead going into the third. And then they lost 6-3. They gave up four third-period goals to the not-so-juggernaut Calgary Flames. They got scored on in the first 30-second-ish of the third period and folded like a cheap tent. They looked like they weren't having fun at all. There was, you know, Brady Kachuk was running around the ice trying to hit Martin Pospisil, get his team engaged. There was, you know, on the bench... You can see the heads down, like, what? What is wrong in Ottawa? Any fan of a team tank, and I bring that up because there's lots of fans of my team, the Calgary Flames, going, blow it up, trade everybody, get high draft picks. The Ottawa Senators, and I would say the Buffalo Sabres, have to be exhibit A and B of buyer beware, careful what you wish for, because Ottawa has been bad for how long now? 15 well, years? Quite a while. Like, this seems yeah. irrelevant. Buffalo's been bad for how long? Like, And they've, they, and they've had first overall picks. They have. And these are the, these, these, these organizations are the blueprints of what not to do. If I'm an Ottawa Senator fan, I'm just like, when does this end? Like, when does it end? I don't know that it, I, they fired DJ Smith, which was probably season and a half too late. Like he should have been gone last year at the end of last year or before, because um, he this team as you said it's got too many pieces. Yeah, the pieces they have are too good to be this bad. There's just they're honestly I don't get Corpus Allo is not a horrible goaltender. You look at what you, they did with the LA Kings after getting traded from Columbus, and he made Jonathan Quick expendable. He made Phoenix Copley the future goalie, the backup right and. To the point where he and Talbot essentially switched places. And well, I mean, of late, the Kings have been pretty bad. They've lost eight in a row, but they uh they shouldn't be this bad. And like it's almost to the point where, yeah, you brought in Jacques Martin, who by all accounts probably does not know how to coach a lot of these younger superstars, because he's an old school guy. You got Daniel Alfredson on the bench. I think they made the change too late. They need to get someone in who can get these young guys going. And I, I don't know who that is, right? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know where this team goes. Because I, how many times can you say, this team shouldn't be this bad? This team shouldn't be this bad, right? Like, even a team with good pieces can outplay bad coaching. But it's not happening. So at what point, what's the problem? Uh, like you look at Anaheim. Anaheim is a team that's been bad for a while because they didn't do a proper rebuild. They let Getzlaff and Perry get to the end of their ropes as players and then moved them out. They've held on to John Gibson and they're still bad. Now they're trading young guys. Drysdale's out. Zegers is apparently on the market uh, or available. So what do you like? What do you do? Like you, you've got these same same kind of almost thing. You've got a goalie. Maybe Gibson's a little long in the tooth, but 
you've got a goalie who should be able to help, but you don't, and you've got a bunch of young players who should be playing very well, but they're not. So what do you do? Like at this point, it, it you almost got to throw your hands up and do you start cleaning house to start all over again? Because right now, all you're doing is chipping up a little bit of foundation that you've poured because you've got nothing else built on top of it. Another thing that I want to touch on in, in the NHL, and I was actually shocked when I really looked at this stat this morning, and it just shows the competitive balance in the league. Can 24 of the 32 teams in this league are above 500? Yeah. That's, to me, insane. Two Three-quarters of the league, essentially, are playing above 500 hockey. Three-quarters of the teams in this league are winning more than they're losing. Now, that said, definitely says something for the bottom end of the standings because they're beating somebody. Yeah. And there's some really bad teams at the bottom of the standings that I won't mention that my planes lost to one of them a week ago. But it's craziness. The Arizona Coyotes are 24th in the NHL, and they're three games above 500. That is nuts to me. The playoff races this year are going to be insane. Because there's so many teams in what is known as the murky middle that just you're right on that competitive cusp of do I make it? Do I not make it? You realistically have, and I'm going to go to the Eastern Conference, the Pittsburgh Penguins are out of the playoffs and they're only two points back. And there's one, two, three, there's four teams ahead of them, two points out of a playoff spot. That's insane. Like only one of these five teams are going to make it. It's no different in the West. The, the playoff cut line right now is 47 points. I'm going to say it's 49 because the Oilers have played four or less games than Nashville. Chances are they're going to win one of those four games. The way they're playing right now, they're probably going to win all four of those games, the assholes. Um, but then you've got Arizona is only is right now technically three points back. I'm going to say five points back. You've got five teams there too. You got St. Louis, Calgary, Seattle, all right there. These these playoff races are going to be nuts. You've got I'm going to go to my team here very quickly. They're let's say tenth in the West right now. They've played to like the eighth best points percentage in the NHL over the last twenty games, and they've gained no ground. It is insane the the run you have to go on. The Oilers had to go on a seven-game win streak and a 10-game win streak this year. They're currently sitting in the final playoff spot. Just like, to be rel- making, making up ground this year in the NHL is impossible because every team is above 500 and winning. Like, this is nuts. I, I don't know that I've ever seen it this crazy before where well, there's so many of the teams are relevant. Yeah, and the thing is, like, you talk about the catching, making up points. Like Edmonton has a current 10 game win streak. Seattle has a nine game win streak and they're tied in points with, yeah, Edmonton three games in hand on Seattle. But the thing is like Seattle and Edmonton really have, they've gained points on Nashville, LA Vegas, and not even like for LA's fallen off a cliff. If, if LA had not lost eight games in a row, the Oilers would not be one point back of them. Vegas is three and seven in their last 10. They've fallen off a cliff. Like I looked at the roster you guys played last night and like, 
who the hell is this team for Vegas? Because they've got so many injuries and players out that it was like, well, that's a dog shit lineup. When you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, right? They've lost their three and seven in their last 10. Um, like, and again, I obviously I know this stat as a Canucks fan, but I think when the, and it holds true now than it was, I think the seven games or eight games, <laughs> or no, the Oilers were 17 and three in their previous 20 games. And they had gained two points on the Canucks in that same span. Like it is even, even still just to go from where they were to where they are, they haven't gained a lot because there's so much, like everyone's winning. Right. So a 10 game win streak is not sustainable. Like they're not going to win out for the rest of the year to maintain or to get further up the Seattle Kraken, who we thought we would, would be pushing a lot higher in this division. Um, were 10 and 14 when they went on this run, they were four games under 500, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty, I'll give it at Oilers crazy. They have one overtime loss this year, right? They have 21 and 23 regulation wins. They're doing it somewhat like how the Canucks are in regulation, which, you know, whole another show, another side topic. I, I hate the loser point right now because you have a winner and loser in the NHL. Like there is going to be a team that gets into the playoffs because of loser points and a team that has more regulation wins will not make it. And to me, that is you're rewarding the wrong thing here. The, the next point that kind of one of the surprises that I wanted to bring up and you just kind of touched on it was this has been the year of the streak. Like whether that's winning streaks or losing streaks, this has been the year of just crazy streaks. Just right now, you have a team on a 10 game winning streak. You have a team on a nine game winning streak. You have a third team, the Florida Panthers, who just had a nine-game winning streak snapped. The Oilers have won 10 in a row. They won seven in a row earlier. You also, right now, have the LA Kings are on an eight-game losing streak. The San Jose Sharks have had two 10-game losing streaks this year. One that was 12 this is, games. One that was 12 games. This is just an insane year of, like, incredible highs and incredible lows and these like never ending streaks. The Oilers look like they may never lose a game again. And yet they've also had like five game losing streaks this year. It is the flames had a six or seven game losing streak. It It is just mind boggling to me that I just talked about a competitive balance where 24 of 32 teams are above 500. Yet you've got these crazy, crazy, crazy winning and losing streaks involving some of these teams that are above 500 like the flames are above 500 they had a six or seven game losing streaks that is just mind-boggling to me the the just the weirdness the 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 kings are technically nine games above 500 and on an eight game losing streak yeah crazy i've i've never seen anything like it with just these long long sustained runs both positive and negative odd just it's been an odd season yet the Oilers going from 30th in the NHL they might finish second in the NHL this year it's just insane yeah I think the one thing I want to call like the, the Oilers have been playing good but at the same time I think they beat Montreal in overtime they beat Detroit in overtime you gotta win they the beat, games in front of yeah, you like they beat Chicago 2-1 3-1 against Ottawa. They handled Philly pretty decently. Um, 
You just yeah, like, win the games presented to you. It's no different than yeah. the Canucks early in the year had a soft schedule and they won the games in front of them. Like, no, I know, but I, the not, thing that I want to see from the Oilers is how they do against some of these top teams again when they get some like the more consistent, competitive teams that have been playing well and that are that have been winning all season. Because I think that's been one of their things is they when they face those tougher teams in the beginning of the year, obviously it was the beginning of the year, some of those teams continued on being good, some fell off, but how do they do against the tougher competition and how long can they ride Stuart Skinner for? And and with Calvin Pickard picking up a game or two here or there. It's one of those it's like last year again, where they had where Campbell just fell off like as predicted. And Skinner had to step up. Well, Skinner struggled at the beginning of the year. And now you're asking him to probably take on an even heavier workload in year two than he had as a rookie. And there was like, it's just, they got to sort it out. Like this, the Oilers uh, again are too good to have the same issues continuing over and over again, but they got to figure it out some way, one way or another, but Trying to get yourself a legitimate number one goaltender is not an easy task, um, but we'll see. Like it, it's, it's, it's not going to get any easier for them. They can't like to get back into it. They had to go was it seventeen and three uh, through this time or whatever it was. It's it just it's a difficult hill to climb. And how long can they keep that up? Or at a certain point in time, Skinner's going to get tired and need an extended break because. You can't keep going at that clip. Come playoff time, what is he going to have left? One other thing that I've found very surprising is it's the return of the goal scorer in the NHL. It's the return of goal scoring in the NHL. You and I sat through what, let's say, 2017 and the 15 years prior where it was the clutch and grab era and – you know, the, you were lucky if you had, you had Jamie Ben win a scoring title with 80 points. Like, it, it, we lived through a crazy, crazy time and had to witness it, and it was awful. Schools, goal scoring is back. Like, yeah. scoring is back. It is insane. You have currently seven players on pace for 50 goals this year. That's insane. You potentially, there could be 10 50 goal scores. Like, you have some guys. Just off the 50-goal pace, Austin Matthews has an outside chance of 70 goals. Sam Reinhart is on pace for 60 goals. Yeah. Nikita Kucherov is on pace for roughly 55. Brock Besser's on pace for 50. Panarin, Zach Hyman. Exact, yeah, that Zach Hyman of the Toronto Maple Leafs is on pace for over 50 goals. David Pasternak, no shock there. Sidney Crosby is just under a 50 goal pace. Like this is nuts to me. The goal scoring is back. And with that, the points are back too. Nikita Kucherov, 72 points in 43 games. Like that's insane. You have 11 players are on pace for a hundred points or better. Yes. I was all, I was pretty much just going to touch on that. Connor McDavid is sixth in the NHL in scoring right now. Like Connor McDavid is by far the most electric player in the NHL. He's sixth in NHL scoring. Leon Draisaitl isn't even in the top ten. Like he's, you know, I, the, to me this is an exciting revelation. You don't have McDavid Draisaitl one two in NHL scoring. You have 
other players, which just tells you how electric and exciting the league is. Kucherov, McKinnon, Pasternak, JT Miller, fourth in NHL scoring. All these guys, Panarin, all these guys are, are just – and I'm not taking a shot at McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're guys not named McDavid and Dreisaitl yeah. who've torched the league the last three years, torching the league. This is good for hockey. William Nylander has the same amount of points as Connor McDavid. This is good for hockey. Elias Pedersen. Miko Rantanen, Sam Reinhardt. Like, this is good that you have guys right around Connor McDavid's production right now. This is good for the game. It's exciting. The superstar power in the NHL right now is phenomenal. And there's well, new superstars not named McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I'm not trying to take away from them. It's good that you have new superstars and people getting the limelight. It is good that it's Nathan better for the league. is getting... Yeah. It, exactly. It's good that Nathan McKinnon, people are going, holy shit, look at him. He's got points in 25 of 25 home games this year. That's, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, the thing too is like you look at the top 12 and I went 12 because it's a, it's a nice, it's a little more of a rounder number than the top 11. Um, but of the top 12 scores, which goes down to McCart on the cusp of almost being a hundred point player with 48, Seven of the top 12 are all from the Western Conference. And, and to no surprise, people in the East don't have a clue who the hell they are because the Eastern media doesn't give a shit about them. When it takes the Canucks to go on this run through New York and the Eastern teams on this road trip, for them to finally go, oh man, you know, these Canucks are pretty good, eh? And actually recognize that the players that they are on the team are top players and, and deserve the recognition. It's nice when you've got, like, I would even say McKinnon doesn't get a lot of the recognition he should. Well, that's why I just brought him right? up is the guy's electric. Yeah. But Nathan McKinnon, in my opinion, is the best player in the NHL overall for yeah. both 200 foot games. Yeah, game, best player in the league. Right. And that thing is like, I would, and again, like you look at, you look at the JT Miller, right? Here's a guy who's played, I can't remember the exact number, but let's just say 300, it's more, but 350 points as a Vancouver Canuck, right? The games. He is over a point per game player with the Vancouver Canucks. But does anyone actually know that out East? Does everyone know the type of player that he is? Like he's got, he's played a great 200 foot game this year because if you don't talk, it has no problem parking your ass in the press box. But like Patterson doesn't get, the recognition as a 200 foot player he should probably get right like it took an all-star game for everyone even some canucks fans like myself to go holy shit when he won the hardest shot competition right like that's what the whole skills and all-star competition is about is to showcase your best players to everyone because the people the media in the east and the the channels that control it all don't show you everything right so it, to me it's awesome that the top scoring players are all Western, you know, for the well over 50% Western conference. Yeah. It just helps shine the light on everybody, you know, uh, across the league. I, it, the NHL is exciting again. It's, there's lots of goals scored. There's lots of scoring chances. There's, it's just, it's fun to watch again. It's not clutching and grabbing. It's not hook and hold and slash and high stick and, 
And does it still have its follies? Yeah, absolutely it does. But it's just a lot more exciting brand of hockey for everybody. Like, you know, I, I even I look at my team, the Calgary Flames, and I said this earlier on in, in one of our recordings where I was like, they may not be winning, but at least they're watching or they're playing a brand of hockey that's fun to watch. It, you're still getting your entertainment value there. And I find for the most part, a lot of teams have really, really moved towards more skill, more speed, more goals. And it's just the game's better because of it. And yeah. you, you, you're not having these, you're rolling out the fourth lines of these big tough guys that are going to police the league, the, you know, the Milan Lucic's and, and Brian you know, Reeves, Brian Reeves. Like there's, I hate saying there's almost no place in the league for these guys anymore, but there almost isn't because there's just come to this realization that speed and skill trump fighting and the game's better because of it. The game is better because you are, you're having young players come up and showcasing their talent and not reserving a roster spot for Kevin Westgarth or like, or well, who's the head of player safety right now? Like, George there Peros. used to be exactly there used to have to be a roster spot for George Peros. There doesn't anymore, and the game's better because of it. Yeah, and I think was it um it was Kevin Biasha that brought up for the most part, the players in the league are all around the same type of strength. Right? When he was talking about the the uh, the Nick Cousins, you know, the, those type of players that go out and take the cheap shots and aren't willing to step up and answer the bell for it. You don't need the tough guys like that. You need a tough, a guy who can play a strong game, right? Like I look at the Cucks, like by no means what I say Dakota Joshua is a big time fighter, but he's a guy who can handle himself, but he's also producing. He's playing, he's playing a role on the team that isn't like being a tough guy. A protector is secondary, if not third to the, his role. And that's the type of player you need a guy that can, give you minutes that's more than oh hey someone just took a run at P- a run at pd go out and handle them right you've got like jt miller got in a fight yesterday right like you've got the the league has changed in that different i would say that the tough guy definitely the, that role is gone because of the way that the everything's have, things have leveled out right but you still need your somewhat call them protectors within the league because you still have those players who will take the cheap shot on the star players, which is what you don't want to see. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I just think the league's better for the fact that there's way more focus on speed, skill, scoring goals than on playing a neutral zone trap and trying to get Martin Berger 900 career wins, winning, you know, 899 of those games, 2-1 or one nothing. The league yeah. is better because you don't have these nearly as many of the defensive systems. You don't have the Minnesota Wild under Jacques Lemaire trying to win every game one nothing. You don't have the the it, the game is better and more exciting. And even when your team is, you know, isn't in a playoff spot, it's still exciting to watch. I will I find myself quite regularly now turning on games of teams I could care less about just because the entertainment factor is there in the NHL and it wasn't for a long time. So I will give kudos to the league for one thing. The game is much better to watch now than it has been in a long time. Absolutely. Don't, I do not disagree there with that one. 
Ken, did you have any other surprises or anything that you wanted to touch on before we finish here? <laughs> I, I don't think we'd ever see the time. I think just how bad the San Jose Sharks are is surprising. Yeah, in, that's in this, not a surprise, though. But in this day and age, how like, yeah, there's gonna there's always gonna be teams that are in the bottom of the league, right? But in this day and age of being able to find players, sign players, the pool that is there, it's almost like you have to be talented at being that bad, right? Like there, there needs you almost have to try. <laughs> yeah, like it, you're like it's like, hey, let's see how bad we can be this year. I just surprising at how bad a team can actually be when trying to ice a lineup. You know, it, it's uh. You know, I, mean, I talked about, you know, you guys played the Golden Knights and looked at the lineup and went, what the hell is this, right? And you look at the San Jose Sharks lineup and you're like, what the is this? This is a, like pure dumpster fire trash lineup, right? Like, you know, you would bring out a, an alumni team for some some organizations that would beat the shit out of them. So, yeah, it's, uh, bad. to have two 10 yeah. game losing streaks in one season takes takes talent. Yeah, uh, or a very severe lack of um <laughs> but yeah it, lost it takes surprises. a certain kind of talent <laughs> yeah yeah well there are lots of surprises i mean as a as a canucks fan i i absolutely am i am loving this season again i always i will watch my team regardless of how bad they are i will never not watch a game um because the, the team isn't winning i i've sat through a lot of losing in my years so yes i am reveling in the fact that my team right now whether it be for a day is sitting atop of the standings of the nhl again um i'm going to enjoy it and it's been a, a lot of fun this year it's uh it's been a surprise for me and i i will i will take it so yeah they're they're probably the biggest surprise in the nhl and you know full marks to them as we already talked about so yeah yeah lots of surprise. i mean they skill goals that's what brings people into the stands um, that's what people want Chicks to see. Chicks dig the long ball. Yeah, it used to be. I went it's to a that fight. Mentality. Yeah. Well, it used to be. I went to a, a fight and a hockey game broke out. And as you said, it, that's not what it is anymore. It's it's skill and and speed and everything else that uh, people want to see. So with the occasional, the game's sexy. Again. Fisticuff. The game's, yeah. It's it's just fun. Yeah. We'll throw the occasional fisticuff in there just because you know it's it's always nice, but not the main thing you want to see in a game anymore. But. Hey, the NHL is a, is a lot of fun this year. A lot of, a lot of good races. A lot of good, good uh, teams out there. So, playoff time will come around, and hopefully, it carries in, in into that as well. And we get some really good series out of it. So, Trevor, anything else you want to touch on before we nope. call it a day? No, I'm no. done. I'm done giving the Canucks love. Let's end this. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, even it just you know helped brighten my day a little bit more. So um well, it's your birthday, again, so I gotta gotta <laughs> be good. Yeah. Um let us know what you think. What, what you know to the listeners out there, what are the surprises for you? Uh, positive, negative, whatever. What has been a big time surprise for you in this NHL season at the halfway point? Uh what do you we didn't even touch on? What do you think of the NHL all-star jerseys? Because they're so oh, surprised. Yeah surprisingly how bad they are i i was gonna bring those up in my are you kidding me and i forgot they're horrific yeah (laughs) um thanks justin bieber another reason to dislike you and your music um yeah let us know what you think trevor's at the bleach con one i'm at the bleach con two on x formerly known as twitter uh 
that's our show for this week. Make sure you go to bellyupsports.com. Check out all the articles and other podcasts on the network. Great place to get all your sports needs and your fantasy football needs for the if you're still going or for next season to figure out how do you not finish in the basement. Uh, that's our show for this week. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone.